So there's been another school shooting, and um, I know the data. I know that there's arguments that they're becoming less common and so on, but nonetheless, I just I had a visceral reaction to this. I'm going to share it with you guys and, and let me know what you think. So police identify the suspect in the Colorado school shooting. Social media profiles suggest teen-hated Christians and Trump called himself a grunge fan addicted to pain. So um, Devin Erickson has been held in the attack at STEM School Highlands Ranch, in which seven students were injured and one killed. Both Mr. Erickson and the other suspect were students at STEM School. There are no other suspects, uh, according to all of this. And he had no particular criminal record. So unlike some of the shooters who've been in and out of this kind of stuff, uh, there was no particular criminal record. And... Mr. Erickson had said on social media, according to a report in Heavy.com, that he hated Christians for their teachings on homosexuality, and his account suggested he was not a fan of President Trump. That's how they say it, right? In 2016, his account shared a video of Seth Meyers attacking President Trump, and in 2015, quote, he shared an Occupy Democrats post praising then-Barack, President Barack Obama, according to Heavy. On his Instagram page, Heavy reported he... The alleged shooter frequently used hashtags such as hashtag grunge, dark aesthetic, dark grunge, soft grunge, pestle grunge, and alternative. With one post, he wrote, I'm covered in ink and addicted to pain. According to Dispatch Audio, one of the two suspects was wearing a Nirvana hoodie when taken into custody. The other was in a white hoodie with writing, quote, all over it. Can... I imagine that there was a business out there that catered to children where regularly children got gunned down in the hallways. Can you imagine such a business surviving? Can you imagine any kind of corporation or, or entity or organization other than the state surviving the mass repetitive shooting of children under its care, custody, and control? Can you picture any such thing happening? The way that we have allowed... Government education, quote education, not education, all it's just indoctrination, alienation. The way that we have allowed these people to take over our children against our will, because it's based on taxation, right? It's not chosen, it's not voluntary, it's just something we inherited from 150-odd years ago when people wanted to let the government take over education because it was just going to get so much better. Back at a time when in Massachusetts, 98% of the adult population was literate and you had a population chewing down such robust pieces of literature as Moby Dick, uh, Thomas Paine's The Rights of Man, and, and Dickens was being consumed. Dickens was a superstar. Further back, you had a population that consumed Shakespeare, And then we said, hey, well, the government does such a great job with war and debt and stability and defending countries these days, right? That, hey, let's, let's just turn over our kids to the government. Let's just let the government raise our children. And in particular, when we said, uh, let's get women into the workforce so that they, with their additional supply, without additional demand... You can end up driving down the wages of men. That way you can tax women, which you can't tax them if they're at home. You can tax the people who 
take care of the kids, the daycare workers and so on. And we will just tax and tax and tax. And now you can barely raise children with two salaries, whereas in the past 60 years ago, you could raise many children with one salary. And can you imagine any situation wherein a business that fails to deliver a popular or compelling or useful or helpful or purposeful product, a business that failed to satisfy its customers, would then have the virtual right to drug those customers who complained or who were disruptive or who were bored and restless. Can you imagine? Imagine if I did not need to win your attention with reason and passion and evidence, compelling speech, good arguments, but rather you had to pay me whether you liked it or not. And if you didn't like what I had to say or you clicked away or you didn't subscribe, well, I would have the virtual right to just drug you. Can you imagine such a situation we have gotten so used to this way of doing things, to this way of, of, of raising our children. We've gotten so used to it that we, we've got to shake these historical cat of nine tails cobwebs from our brain and rethink things from scratch. This is not how children should be raised. This is not the kind of environment that children should be subjected to. With lowest common denominator, endless, rancid bullying, and boredom and everybody sit in a line and everybody sit in a row, the system that we inherited from the Prussians, who all they wanted to do was produce compliant soldiers and obedient drone-like brain-dead workers. And we took the system and we said, this should be the foundation of our free societies. Yes, we should take one of the most repressive, child-indoctrination, soul-stripping, brain-killing systems ever invented on this planet Earth, and we should use it as the inverted base of the pyramid as the foundation of our free societies. That's what we should do. We should have children sit in rows, be droned at in value-free, inconsequential, useless, brain trivia, garbage-based information. And they have to raise their hands to go to the bathroom and they can't really interact with each other and Lord knows we don't seem to have any money left for physical activity, playtime, going outside, have them go through metal detectors, make sure they don't get stabbed at some point during the day. We have a system where far more children are sexually abused by government teachers than ever were abused by, say, Catholic priests or Boy Scout leaders. But no, this is what we have founded our society on. This has been the slow undertow erosion of our human potential ever since. What does it matter if the government doesn't do a good job educating your children? They get the money anyway. They can compel the money from you. Anyway, they have no incentive to provide a good service. And what has changed? What has changed? 150 years ago, there was a room, there was a blackboard, there were 30 kids, and there was a teacher droning on. 150 years later, since we've had cars, flight, space flight, we photographed the moons of Jupiter. We have connected humanity in a global spider web of intellectual possibility. And what 
has gone on in schools. Oh, look, there's a teacher, there's a blackboard, and there's 30 children in a room. Except now, they're not allowed to run around anymore. We don't even raise our children anymore. Some places you get six weeks, 12 weeks, six months to breastfeed and bond with your child. Then you dump that kid in a daycare while off you toodle back to work to enjoy the wonderful, hermetically sealed office politics of petty people in fluorescent, brain-deadening, veal, fattening pens called cubicles so that you don't have the wonder and glistening moments of your child's exploration of the universe. Like the night that I stood beneath a skylight with my daughter and she saw the moon through the skylight and I saw the moon reflected deep in her eyes and she said, moon. Like the idea had glistened deep in her eyes. We don't have those. Children learn to walk while we're away. They learn words, curse words taught to them by the wretched hive specimens of older children. And they are dragged down into the squalid social sociopathy pits of the most damaged and broken and aggressive children among themselves. They learn to hide or conform or bury themselves in compliance. Don't speak back to the teachers. Don't think for yourself. And for heaven's sakes, don't run to authority if you have a problem with another kid because they don't care. Go work it out amongst yourselves, they say. Children grow up uh, non-bonded. They're bonded to their peers, not to their parents. So there's no conduit through which the ancient, essential society, civilization-sustaining values, there's no conduit by which they can be dripped down and fed into the minds of children. When women stopped staying home, cultural transmission ceased. It ended. And all the values that are our ancestors gathered together in blood, sweat, and tears for thousands of years. They got diverted. You see, the intellectual and emotional energy got diverted. No longer were we teaching our children the essential values of freedom, of free speech, of property rights, limited government, free markets. We weren't teaching our children any of that anymore. What were we doing? Well, the velvet, honey-toned female maternal voices were no longer caressing the syllables of our civilization into the ears of our young. What were they doing? Picking up the phone saying, yes, customer service, can I help you? The kids are not all right. The kids are lost. And then came the great parental eclipse, the light of parental wisdom which was fading and eclipsed by work and schools and daycares and the indifferent tending of indifferent people on the essential needs of the young. We got eclipsed by our phones. I was at, the, I was at a park with my daughter today. Bunch of teachers around, bunch of parents around, all the faces in their phones. You know, the kids are going to grow up and they're going to give Mother's Day cards to phone cases. Because that's all they see these days. And we're so tired from slaving away to make sure that we provide enough collateral that our children's futures can be borrowed against so that they can sold, be sold to international banksters and 
buried under a financial slavery that is indistinguishable from medieval serfdom. We're so focused on all of that. We have no time, no energy for our kids. So we come home and it's like, here, here's a tablet. Here's a computer. Yeah, you're playing on your video games. Fine. We can't connect with them. Teenagers are spending seven plus hours a day on screens. This is not what we're designed for. This is not sustainable. We need to... We need to stop everything. And we need to sit there and say, okay, if we were to design a society for the benefit of children, because if society is designed to exploit children, and that's what our society is designed to do, we trap them in government schools to make sure that the left-wing parties can get the political donations from the crappy government unions that the teachers inhabit. And... It's not there to educate our children. It's there to indoctrinate them on they're going to die from global warming and diversity is always a strength and you need to learn your times table. Actually, I don't even know if that's around anymore. But not truth, virtue, goodness, connectivity, business, entrepreneurship, critical thinking. God, no, none of that. None of that. We bore them into raging compliance. What is boredom but rage spread thin? And so our children look at our society and say, well, 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 they don't care about me. I'm there to be shuffled around and indoctrinated and profited from, and I'm there as a future taxpayer to be borrowed against. Society doesn't care about me. And then they see the, the blow dots of the psychotropic medications taking down children around them who do not comply, who do not smile, who do not acquiesce to the slow, wet-fingered extinguishing of the candles of their intellect. Those kids brought down by the wild amphetamines that can cost them brain mass. This is Soviet. This is... They used to consider any Soviet citizen who did not love communism and be mentally ill to be dragged. So the kids are looking at the society and saying, well, you don't care about me. In fact, you are exploiting me. I am a form of livestock to you. And a society that does not devote itself to its children can expect no reasonable obeyance of its rules. This is what we do with, with, with children, with young men, with young women, is we say, hmm, okay, uh, right, there's going to be things here that you're going to do that you don't really feel like doing. You know, you have to study and you have to avoid promiscuity and you have to not do drugs and you know, just, you know, and, and, but on the other side of that, with this wonderful life you can have. Middle class life, you get uh, a car and a half, you get 3.2 kids, you get a nice house in the suburbs, and, and all you have to do is follow some decent, basic, reasonable rules. But we don't have anything to offer these kids anymore. And the rules are becoming increasingly bizarre and dysfunctional. And we can't, how are we going to, what's the carrot? We have all the sticks in the world, but what's the carrot for obedience? Well, there isn't. There isn't. 
and the kids are full of nihilism. The economy is so indebted it cannot survive in its current incarnation. You've got uh, all of these lunatics whispering that the world is going to end in 10 years because of global warming. We wonder why the kids are nihilistic and depressed and escapist and anxious and bored. If the world was going to end in 10 years, the last thing we do is bother educating the children. <laughs> it's all nonsense. It's all a fetid overfolding of fatuous lies. And we've got to start. We've got to sit there and say, okay, if we were to start building a society that made some kind of reasonable freaking sense, we would start with the true care for children. We would start with the transmission, the essential transmission of cultural values so that our children are not raised by pixels and minimum wage workers. We'd say, well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to reunite the mother and child reunion. We've got to reunite mothers and children. We've got to have a society where a mother can stay home with her children and breastfeed and cuddle and play and civilize and transmit the essential values that are the only fading retina echo of freedom that we still possess. The engine has died, but we had a steep ascent, and now we hang before a fall. We've got to have a sustainable society. We can't be having all of this national debt and unfunded liabilities, which in America go north of $180 trillion, about 10 times the actual economy. No debt. We've got to put parents back in control of children's education, which means no taxpayer-coerced government schools. Parents got to be back in control of their kids' education, and they got to be moms at home. Maybe more homeschooling, maybe more community schooling. Maybe let the free market work in the realm of children's education. There's so much free knowledge out there. Why are we stuffing our children into dry, recycled air, no recess, lack of concentration camps? And we have to recognize what is unsustainable. And we have to be honest with our kids and say, listen, we really, really let things get away from us here. We let bad people and inertia and historical entropy decay the quality of your childhood into rank, distracted escapism and fear and bullying, alienation, isolation. And we really, really let our entire society and civilization get away from us at your expense because we didn't want to take on the teachers' unions. We didn't want to take on the entrenched special interest groups. So we just like, eh, you know, let them eat the kids' brains for breakfast. It would be troublesome to change the way the childhood runs in our society. It would be difficult. It would be challenging. It would be perhaps even unpleasant. And we made a terrible mistake. We made a terrible mistake in letting bad people who are not motivated by the welfare of children take over childhood. We let you guys to be sold off so that democracy could be committed by bribing us 
into extinction. We shouldn't have drugged children rather than fixed schools. We shouldn't have destroyed the family. We shouldn't be paying mothers to not have fathers around. We should have fixed things. We should have never let it get to this point. Ever. But we have. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? Well, we're either going to fix it. Or I think there's going to be more.